Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. And uh, I'm Eric Sheehan, uh, Executive Director of Technology Systems and Strategy uh, at Verizon. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm going just on your accent. I'm going to assume you're from North Texas, (laughs) just like me, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's that Boston accent. Hopefully uh, the audience can translate the, the lack of R's in the conversation. I, I think we're doing fine. I think uh, our, you know, our, our patron saint in that area is Mark Wahlberg. He's uh, uh, he and his family uh, with so many seasons of Wahlburgers, they have paved the way for all of us to, to, to understand the dialect, to, to hear it, you know, like, like, uh, like I, like I do with Southern accents, like I don't even realize people are talking in a Southern accent anymore. Um, Perfect. Uh, uh, Kelsey, uh, 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 what you don't you're in North Carolina but you don't really have an accent per se yeah I'm in I'm in Raleigh so yeah not not everybody here has I mean I've seen your drink so you do have an accent (laughs) but not it 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 comes out sometimes when I'm around other people that have an accent well yeah it's it's not a thick one (laughs) well what 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 are we we're talking about vision computing today so let's get <laughs> yes, started on computer that vision. Computer vision. Um, <laughs> so Eric, for those who maybe are less familiar with computer vision, how would you uh, define it? Um, what are, what are some of the key features of it? Yeah, I'd say uh, computer vision or others might refer to it as visual AI is basically uh, the ability for something like your smartphone Uh, to see an object and recognize what that object is. And once it recognizes that object, you can, it'll allow you to be able to take action off of that. Uh, So if you put your phone up to a clock, it'll recognize a clock being a clock and uh, I could have it take action based off of that recognition. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. So how's the, uh, um, how does that come to well, help us understand your role first of all inside Verizon, and then and then and then we can kind of put the two together on how you're yeah. using uh, vision computing. My role uh, is for the global network and technology organization. Uh, I have responsibility for technology systems and strategy, and basically that is looking at all new and emerging technology and new products. Uh, sort of kicking the tires on that, see where it makes sense, and then figuring out how do we operationalize that for uh, an employee base of about 24,000 employees that we support. Uh, and then I also have responsibility for sort of looking out into the next three to five years to figure out where do we want to be in those three to five years, developing a roadmap of initiatives that get us there, uh, and then working on all the system requirements uh, that enable that. So you're constantly thinking big and in, in, you know, in some scale, because you can't just think of like, oh, if two people have a problem, that won't be a big deal. It's like every yeah, problem I, gets multiplied, right? Yeah. I think that's a great point though, because a lot of times uh, I think people get themselves caught up or get themselves in trouble because they look at the, the latest, you know, what's the sexy technology and then try to fit a square peg into a round hole. Whereas you really need to be pragmatic when you're looking at emerging tech, you know, to figure out, is it the right use, use case uh, versus trying to force a solution just because you want to use that technology. And I think that is a critical part of my job is to really look at the ROI 
uh, on any new technology that we want to implement. Uh, so what are some examples of how you're using um, computer vision? I suppose one, uh, maybe we can talk first about uh, how it's being used to um, make uh, efforts of, of field technicians a little bit more efficient and how it's assisting them out in the field. Yep. Yeah, I'd say, um, you know, when I think about computer vision, I, I, I think the, the possibilities in terms of use cases are sort of endless. When I look at it through the lens of, of field operations, um, I look at it uh, from, from two aspects. Um, the first is, it's probably the most obvious one because it's used in, in the, the most number of cases, is really around self-help, providing guidance. And so for our customers, that's taking the existing self-serve journeys um, and enhancing those and making them better by add, adding in visual assistance. It also uh, allows us to create and enable new self-help journeys for customers that uh, were otherwise probably not possible without the aid of visual assistance. And the same holds true when we think about our internal Verizon technicians and employees, we can use visual uh, assistance to help guide them and make them more effective. Um, the second area that we look at uh, from a computer vision perspective is job verification. And so the way we think about that is um, computer vision is an automated way uh, for us to confirm adherence to things like quality safety standards. We can toll gate various stages of a job uh, and then automate actions to um, drive efficiencies. Uh, in that process. And I'd say the third big area we look at for computer vision and field operations is really a little more proactive. And a good sort of analogy would be uh, how Stop and Shop uses the, the Marty robot. And if you're not familiar with that, Stop and Shop has a robot that basically roams around their stores and focuses on the ground. And when it identifies spills and things like that, uh, it referred those back for remediation and says, hey, clean up on aisle three. Um, and so we take a similar approach because there are things that our technicians and our managers encounter in the field as they're doing the work uh, that they might not notice uh, that do require remediation and action steps. And so we try to be a little more proactive with some of the, the things that we're doing there. Okay, so that's that's getting into um, the basically the computer seeing things that we can't in terms of, you know, um, or maybe making up for a training gap. I could, I could kind of see that happening where like, uh, I mean, this is a very old announced, you know, analogy, but I'm a very old person, but, uh, um, you know, like one time I had somebody repairing cable stuff in the house and looked at the coax and was like, oh, this is why, you know, we were, we were obsessed with it being the hardware, but he was like, no, oh, these old connections, these are, these, these don't transmit the data the way that these new ones do or whatever. I don't know how he would have known that had he not been doing this for dozens of years. Is, is, am, am I getting warm in terms of can, yeah. can it help in that department? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a perfect example. It's one of the, the key you know, learnings out of COVID was really the benefit of, of self-serve for customers. And you think about how do you enable more of that? A big part of that is being able to have eyes to guide, uh, and in some cases, it's eyes to guide uh, technicians, and that might be a tier two type support. 
Uh, but for customers, it's really walking them through uh, the journey of an install, walking them through the journey of a repair. So for example, um, if a customer is having an issue with a router, you could have and put your smartphone up through the app and look at the router. And through computer vision, it'll look at the light configuration, it'll look at what's plugged in. It'll tell the customer, okay, you have the wrong wire plugged in. It'll show them where they need to plug the correct wire in. It'll say, okay, this is what an Ethernet cord looks like, and here's where you should plug it in. And really walks the customer through step-by-step -step that entire process, which is a lot easier than watching a video or trying to read it because you're actually, with augmented reality overlays, showing the customer where things should plug into and doing that visual analysis. It allows you to, to free up a resource um, in the center too, where a customer might call into. And now you could, now that you've freed up that capacity, you can use that capacity to help address other customer issues as well. So you see multiple benefits on that. I wish I had access to that for, um, I won't say their names, but some certain relatives that are, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. have trouble with technology. <laughs> this is the episode yeah. that, Gets Kelsey uh, kicked out of her family for good. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, yeah no, I, I, I do appreciate it. It's interesting too, because I, I do think, especially with, um, you know, home internet access and entertainment and stuff like that, people, um, people do take it, you know, they tend to, some people tend to take that stuff personally. They want to mess with it themselves. They, you know, they actually want to know what's going on. Having an AR, uh, type of, uh, overlay on you know on this i'm, I'm a big fan of I, people have heard me talk about this on the podcast before i'm a huge fan of of that that capability uh whether it's through a smartphone or glasses or whatever because it just it it puts visually into place what people can't um you know it just shortcuts steps for them it makes it it simplifies technology and makes it way more approachable and like I said, it, it covers up that skill gap, you know, maybe somebody forgot or they haven't seen this kind of router in a while or whatever. And mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's pretty interesting. How does that pay off in terms of, you know, the overall operation? Is it, does it just simply result in, you know, kind of the, what I would predict would be, you know, just um, more customers served, fewer calls in, that sort of thing. But does it pay off in, in, in other ways or how, how are you guys measuring the success of this? Yeah, I'd say, and, and Kelsey made a great point on it because it's one of the one of the things I thought of when I first thought about the technology is like- <laughs> Makes her family love her better, is that? No. Yeah, it's like my the experience I've had- <laughs> Makes me less frustrated. And, yeah, like trying, <laughs> yeah, well, trying to help my parents fix issues they had in their computer and having them try to explain it to me. I mean- it was, I mean, frustrating for them, frustrating for me. Uh, and you can imagine the same thing for a customer calling in with an issue, trying to explain it to an agent or a rep on the phone. And so when I think about like, what is the benefit? I think from a self-serve perspective, first customers want it. We really saw that uh, come to light, especially with COVID and, and all the things that we dealt with with that. Uh, it's available 24 by seven. You're not waiting on hold. It's, it's readily available at your hands. We also see a re reduction in repeat calls. And a lot of times that's because customers, once they see an issue, some of there's a customer education part of it, where you're actually doing it yourself, you're learning. And so we do see a pretty big reduction on repeat calls. I mentioned that it does free up capacity. And so rather than taking a call that a customer can serve, uh, self-serve on, now you feed that resource up to work in other areas where customers do need your help and you can add resources to that. 
we do see faster ticket resolution as well. So you could imagine as you're, you're trying to describe something over the phone, if you're able to engage in a video chat or have uh, pictures that are already compiled in recommendations for an agent, those calls go a lot faster. Uh, and it improves your overall communications because if customers are in the app, when you have outages or when there are proactive communications, if you're seeing things with customer service, or you want to recommend an extender because you see in parts of the home where the Wi-Fi signal drops, you can proactively reach out to the customer and you do see better communication happening uh, when customers are engaged with self-help as well. So that's sort of how we, we see the benefit. Yeah, it's interesting. The Wi-Fi um, thing is both a, um, you know, it's been monumental in terms of, you know, cutting down on the, on one side, cutting down on the complexity in the home, you know, once you have it up and running, everything just kind of connects to it and so, and so on. But it's also when you have it set up, when, when you're first getting it set up, sometimes that's a, a, a bit of a trial and error thing. And I'm, I'm always, I'm always curious how, how, uh, uh, service providers go about making sure that homes are well covered because, that also just has like a multiplier effect on the number of times somebody calls and says their internet service isn't working and that sort of thing. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's a, that's a, a great point. So what, like, wouldn't it be cool if you, you could just see Wi-Fi, right? So you'd know yeah. where is it good, where is it not good. And so one of the things that uh, we've been working on that we developed is when a technician goes out and does an install for a customer, we created this tool uh, which we call uh, AR Active Survey. And basically the technician, as they walk around the home, it's their phone is taking Wi-Fi readings through the home and it's dropping uh, augmented reality overlay pins throughout the home with the Wi-Fi reading, green is good, red is bad, with the actual signal. And then after you can take your phone, after you've walked through and you can actually scan and see all of the Wi-Fi signal throughout the house. And then it aggregates that up and actually creates a heat map of the Wi-Fi signal of your floor plan and recommends where would you place an extender to improve that uh, Wi-Fi signal. So really, really cool uh, enhancement that we've developed and customers uh, you know, are starting to, to seem to really, really uh, appreciate and, and enjoy that, uh, that application. That's pretty fantastic. Um, I, I didn't know about the heat map thing. That's pretty, that's, yeah, that's, that's a really cool. great idea because that's, that's the whole problem is it's like, so, you know, the radio, uh, the radios are, um, I always say this, I always get, I get, sorry, I get, I'm being self-conscious, but I get so many emails from well-meaning technologists. I don't, <laughs> I don't mean radios are dumb. I just mean they only do one thing, <laughs> yeah. but, but they just do little dumb things where they're just like, you know, they're show you bars that they're getting a signal and, but you don't know how strong that signal is. You don't know what you can carry on it. That sort of thing by just using your phone a heat map. I think that's a lot more information mm -hmm. that gives you, you're like, okay, it's reaching here, but not great. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. It really helps for, for customers that are, that are less techy too, you know, mm -hmm. that, are, that are not in tune to those readings. They can pretty easily see green, good, red, bad, yellow yeah. is intermediate. <laughs> and, you know, so it helps from a lot of different perspectives. Yeah, that would settle some arguments with my husband and I, where he put the extender, and I'm like, "Well, it doesn't look good there." And <laughs> he's yeah, like, "But like, it needs to be there." So <laughs> this podcast goes on long yeah. enough. She's just going to call out every member of her family by name. Just going yeah. through a lot. Really... Uh, yeah, it's, it's a great. It's a, 
it's a great point though because that is one of the other challenges you run into right it's like the optimal location for a router is probably the center of your home which is usually a living room and probably not where you want to have it right right so um you know having a the, the heat map allows you to be able to have better conversations with the customer to explain, you know, the impact of moving the router around and finding more optimal locations, because uh, that is a challenge, you know, where do you actually place it and the aesthetics and, and all those things that you just mentioned, Kelsey. Yeah. Last. Uh, over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, know. I know the exact center of the home would be kind of funny if everybody just yeah. did that by Whoa. default. <laughs> I would build a little museum case for it. Like, uh, like, like if you were at, at, at the Smithsonian or Aww. something, I'd have it like uplit and you know, all that stuff. Cause it's very important. You just don't. That would actually be pretty cool. <laughs> this will get my wife in here she'll she'll take over the podcast i better i better shut my mouth and keep going um last uh last point is there is there anything that um that's sort of in the in the works now that's about to be rolled out to customers that you you'd be excited to talk about you know in terms of uh of, you know just field operations generally or is there any new way of using this technology that you kind of anticipate um i just want to give some kind of give people a reason to sort of look ahead or, or to keep watching. Yeah, I, I'd say, yeah, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. I'd say when you, when you look out into the future uh, and you think about 5G and Mac uh, and what that means in terms of being really, I would say a, like a force multiplier um, for things like computer vision uh, and AI in general, um, and I use the example of Stop and Shop that has the Marty robot that goes around, right? And if you think about that scenario, it's really, it's constrained within a store. It's a controlled environment and it's a really simple use case. Generally, the flows all look the same and it's not hard to train on whether or not there's a spill. But what 5G and Mech allows you to do is to take that simple use case and expand it in much, to much grander scale. And I'll give you an example. So if you think about the Waze app, everybody loves the Waze app when they're driving, right? As you're going, it gives you the fastest route, traffic. It also identifies where accidents are, if there's a pothole or a hazard in the road. Ops. So imagine, yeah, right. Cops, especially, right? <laughs> so imagine now you no. take that Marty use case, right? <laughs> that's in Stop and Shop. And rather than you in Waze, where you probably as a person to actually press a button to indicate they saw a police officer or they saw a pothole, that actually your car with cameras automatically recognizes those things. And not only does it recognize it and indicate it, but it sends notification to the DPW that, hey, you need to fill this pothole, or it sends notification to police there was just an accident. And then you take it a step further and say, not just for vehicles driving around and noticing things on the road, but what about things like for us in telecom, double poles, low-hanging cables, all of those things that you see as you're driving around, you can send remediation notifications into the electric company, to the telephone company, et cetera. And then you take it a step further as you're walking around in the streets um, when you get to smart glasses. As I'm seeing somebody walk towards me, Kelsey, I, in fact, maybe I forgot your name, but it reminds me, this is this is Kelsey's name and she's married to, to Joe. And you've got so many kids and here's your Facebook and your Instagram and all those things, right? I visit the Empire State Building. I'm not sure what building that is. And I look at it and it tells me with an augmented reality overlay, everything about that building. So really cool things that, you know, all these use cases now that I'd say are, are, are sort of a little bit more limited in scope allows you to take it to a, a 
much more grander scale and enables use cases um, that you know today we're imagining, but are going to become really uh, real to all of us in the, in the not too uh, distant future. So really, some cool things I think on the horizon. Yeah, that's great. I, 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 yeah, I'm excited for it. I, I think the uh, the yeah the the particular use cases, especially with people navigating their way around cities, and like mm-hmm. you said spotting things that are just in the in the public safety sort of public utility space Mm. that need to be fixed i mean especially around you know around here in texas every time there's a storm someone's this close to losing power or having you know signal problems or something because of how the trees get blown around and that sort of thing it and most people would ever come in contact that on their with that on their morning jog or their walk or something like that. You know, that's not something that will, no one will call in <laughs> and talk about until their problems actually happen. So that's, that's a perfect, you know, sort of use case for, uh, for sort of public safety slash, uh, you know, connectivity. Um, great. Well, uh, Eric Sheehan, thanks so much for, uh, for uh, catching us up on what Verizon's up to in that space. And uh Uh, We really do hope we can uh, uh, call on you again when we have uh, uh, questions about how things are done inside, inside and outside the home and out in the field uh, uh, in in the, in the world of Verizon Telecom. Yeah, great. That was perfect. It's awesome. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. It was a lot of fun. I hope to talk to you both soon. Thank you.